You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock, Eric Crocker with you once again at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Have a special guest today. Joining us now, Grant Cohn. You know him from SportsIllustrated.com's All 49ers at Grant Cohn on Twitter. Grant, you're always a fun follow. I've been enjoying all of the YouTube stuff you've been doing and the uh, the unfilteredness of your 49ers coverage. Sometimes willing to say some things that other people aren't willing to say, even if you disagree with the Grant Cohn take. And my question for you first is, Grant, do 49ers fans, and some players, I think, love to hate you, or do they really hate to love you? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I feel like Jimmy Ward... Uh, I want to give him credit. He gave me credit for being an asshole. He gave me like license to be an asshole. He's like, look, you're doing your thing. You're an asshole. No, no harm, no foul. I'll take it. I appreciate that. So um, if I had issue with, if Armstead had issue with me or McGlinchey, I saw him a couple of days ago. They could have punched me in the face. They didn't. I feel like we're okay. I feel like maybe Niner fans appreciate me or get me a little bit, even if I piss them off because who doesn't like to get pissed off every once in a while? Yeah, and I do want to give you credit for the Jimmy Ward interview. That was really cool. And the unfilteredness of it, I wish we could see more of that type of stuff with athletes. The teams don't want them doing that. And you can see why, because when I first watched it, you did a great job. And I was like, I like Jimmy Ward more now after seeing this. So teams should want him to do this. But of course, what happened? One little sentence that he said was taken out of context, thrown out there about Matthew Stafford. And then all this stuff starts swirling and there's bulletin board material. And that's why teams don't want it done. But it's frustrating for me because this is how you want to see athletes for fans. So um, it's difficult because I, I want to see it. I think think Jimmy Ward came off well, but that's why teams don't want it because they don't want any one sentence to get out that they're not in control of. True. But I think even though he said what he said about the Rams, I don't think the, I think the Rams probably laughed. I think the Niners probably laughed. I don't think anyone was seriously upset about what Jimmy Ward's. I don't think Matthew Stafford cared. I think it was good offseason content. And like you said, there should be way more of it like that in the NFL. It's the kind of stuff you get from boxers and fighters, but the NFL doesn't uh, condone or encourage. It's almost like Jimmy Ward did that because the Niners really haven't done much to promote him the last seven years. So <laughs> right. maybe I should just take matters in my own hands. Promote himself a little bit. It. And Croc, you're, you're telling me about a video that I didn't see. Was it on Debo Samuel's Instagram? Oh yeah. yeah, Debo. I was like, wait a minute. So I watched it the first time, but maybe I don't know if I watched it with the sound off, but then I was watching Grant live and Grant and whoever he was on with kind of mentioned something about a hype video with Debo Samuel mentioning Grant Cohn. So I, I at this time I had I didn't know anything about it. So mm -hmm. I went to Debo's page and I'm like, man, what is he talking about? And I'm watching, I'm like, wow, like I think that's the ultimate like I made it moment because <laughs> it's it's Grant Cohn throughout the entire video and it's just like quotes, like little things that he's saying. I mean it's like a voiceover of Grant. And um you know if players are able to use some of the things that he says for motivation, great. And and, and to to Grant's credit and Debo, like it sounds like he's coming to camp with the you know in the best shape that he's been in. So maybe he needed that, right? Like, so 
I think we need people like Grant Cohn that are going to tell the players how it is and tell them how they feel, not sugarcoat it. And hopefully they can use that as some, you know, sort of motivation to improve their game. It sounds like Debo Samuel has done just that. Yeah, we need all people I've, to get pissed at Grant quick, so they're it, not pissed at us. Sorry, real quick. All I've noticed is that the real good athletes can take some of my off-the-wall criticism and, it, first of all, won't get to them. And they'll just prove me wrong. And that's the end of the transaction. It's like, what were you saying? Yeah, that's what I thought. Just but like once, uh, Dante Pettis did, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, not to get mad at him, but if, if I feel like the, the times I found myself arguing with people on Twitter or in the locker room is people who can't back it up on the field. So that's all I'm saying. Like, gotta, so I, I have a question real quick. How how does Grant Cohn, a guy who's been covering the 49ers, you got the press Democrat and all that, and you go from that, right, like this just uh, you know a reporter, beat writer like the other guys, and then you've created this whole other lane that I'm pretty sure people are going to eventually maybe try to find their footing in it. But you have you are bigger. You've grown more in the last year and maybe are the most popular 49ers uh, guy that covers the 49ers than anyone else. But you've done it through YouTube, basically like something totally different. I mean, that's a totally different realm. Like, how did you come up with the, the thought process to kind of go that route? That's a, that's a good question. It all was because of the pandemic. Like if COVID-19 hadn't happened, I never would have went this direction. Um, it's just like, I had never heard of Google Meets, Zoom or any of that stuff until we were locked down. And right. then all of a sudden we were like all Zoom experts. And I think pretty quickly people realized that you could do podcasts. I didn't, I used to do a podcast and I would go to my dad's house. We would sit in the same room. I was so technologically dumb, but then I figured out, okay, you can kind of have, you can kind of have a whole 49ers news network from home and you can i don't know it just kind of i had the idea everyone was locked down people were watching and i just kept adding to it and it seemed like what i'm learning is especially younger people they don't read as much they watch they get their information watching stuff um, my nephew people who are 12 13 17 22 seems like what the older generation in general journalism doesn't understand is they really need to do a lot of video if you want to get you know, people who are maybe a little too young to buy a subscription to something but are definitely going to watch 24 7. that's what i think i just stumbled into the gen z market yeah and yeah attention spans definitely getting shorter and yep. if i'm not mistaken si they they did a big push with video at the same time yep. right because i know some folks that, that write in other markets for si too and some of them are like Ugh. I'm a writer. Like, what's this video stuff? I don't know. And, and right. you really embrace that. So credit to you for that. Yeah. The way it works here is like, we get paid. I don't have a salary. I get paid like a, a percentage of the, of the views. And what we learned is you get like 10 times ad revenue. If there's a video on the art article, as opposed to a uh, picture. So we have videos on our articles and I was like, where am I going to get all these articles? Well, I guess I have to start a YouTube channel and stream all the time. And now the YouTube channel gets me twice as much as Sports Illustrated, which is doing great too. So I feel like every sports writer who's gotten into it for that, you know, uh, salary and some job security might want to think about doing this because it's <laughs> money on YouTube. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, we got we to gotta talk quarterbacks. Uh, okay. And you've been talking about the pump and dump. Can you explain yeah. to my listeners what you believe is going on with the pump and dump and Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers? Okay. The pump and dump is when you know, they know, everyone knows they're trying to trade some player on the team, but but the team's playing dumb. Like, no, we like this guy. He's our guy. He's our starter. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we just traded three first round picks for his replacement, but we want this guy. And I was like, okay. So they're trying their best to change the narrative and the, and the perception. And 
there's various things they can do. They can say there's not a quarterback competition. They can make Jimmy Garoppolo look good in a preseason game. But ultimately, you're trying to get that offer to go up like one or two rounds. And really, like that justifies any lying that they do because their ultimate responsibility is to do what's best for the franchise. And that's to just say that Jimmy Garoppolo looks better than ever. I would say the same thing in their position, but that's the pump and dump. They did it with Vance McDonald like four years ago. Okay, more with Grant Cohn coming up. He has been at training camp every single practice. He has been charting the quarterbacks. What's he seeing in Jimmy G and especially the rookie Trey Lance next? Been playing golf with a buddy and I always stick a built bar in my golf bag because it's the perfect thing to power you through the back nine so you don't go into the clubhouse and order you know, something terrible for you, a chili dog or burger and fries or whatever. Then your hands or fingers are greasy when you're trying to play golf for the back nine. Quick and easy, have a built bar, roll into the 10th hole and get some protein that will power you through and a lot of times even play better, not weighed down by some huge meal. More room for an extra beverage too if, if that's how you play your back nine. But my friend, I have to take two Built Bars because my friend's like, hey, you got one of those Built Bars? Like scratching his neck. He's like, yeah, yeah, give me one of those Built Bars. I love those Built Bars. And I'm like, dude, you got to go. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get your own box of Built Bars because I'm not going to keep supplying you Built Bars every time we play golf because I want to hoard some for myself. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com, 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. This whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing is really hard for me because they obviously want to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. They looked into Deshaun Watson. That went haywire in January. Couldn't go there. They were interested in Stafford to a degree. Lost out on that very quickly. They made a call about Aaron Rodgers. They traded up to number three when they didn't even know which quarterback they liked yet to draft a quarterback. So obviously they want to move off Jimmy Garoppolo, but in most of these scenarios, you can follow the money to feel how, see how a team feels, and they wanted to bring him along for $26 million. So they, it's, it's bizarre to me because they want it both ways. When it comes to the NFL and quarterbacks, I kind of get it because you almost can't put too many resources into quarterback. You have to be good there. And my question to you is, did they put too many resources into quarterback? Is it crazy to trade up to number three for a rookie when you have Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it crazy to trade up for number three and bring along Jimmy Garoppolo and just play the whole year and say, I don't care. We're trading. We're spending three first round picks and we're paying a guy $26 million. I don't care. I want to be good at quarterback. Great question. I think it's fair to, to question how they arrived at the decision to draft Lance. I mean, a lot of people say that they wanted Mac Jones at first. They don't, they deny that. But all I know is in April, they signed Nate Sudfeld, who's nothing like Lance. He's like Jones and all the other pocket quarterbacks the Niners have had. So however the Niners came to the decision to take Trey Lance, they made the right decision. And it's it worked out better than, I think, trading for a veteran who's super expensive. This guy is young. He's got his whole life ahead of him, and he's really cheap. So uh, I, I think – I don't know how, if they had the – if this was the plan, but it's working out. And in terms of holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo for now – it's the right thing to do because there was no way they could predict that Trey Lance would be this good in training camp. And just because he was good in week one doesn't mean he'll be good in week two. You really want Trey Lance to earn it and they can trade Jimmy Garoppolo in a month and still get him off the books. If, if Trey Lance earns it and they want some cap space, they can do that there. I mean, they're still a month away from the deadline. So I think they're actually handling it perfectly right now. I was listening to Chris Sims and I think he was on with Florio and they too were kind of echoing that, like, 
Chris Sims is like, listen, I have no insider knowledge on this. And he always kind of does as a disclaimer, but he said, I don't think they want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, I think they want to trade Jimmy. They're just hyping them up, trying to see if they can kind of boost his value or at least make him feel more valuable to them than other teams think, you know, maybe currently. So they're basically kind of just using the media to kind of say, hey, no, we we love him. No, he's having the best training camp of his career. This is the best Jimmy Garoppolo or best version of him we've ever seen. And I, I always had the question, like, and you've been there and you can you can answer this. I, I mean, I've been there too, but do you think that the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe what people think? Because I've seen him at practices and training camps, and he, he didn't look too great. And then now it seems like when I listen to reports, yeah, he's doing fine. But it's still nothing special. Well, I mean, it's not like worse than what he's normally done. It's it's just nothing special compared to Trey Lance. Trey Lance is putting on a show every day. Trey Lance is completing 73% of his throws. He's got nine total touchdowns, two running, seven throwing, and a pick. So that's fun to watch. And Jimmy's got three touchdowns, three picks, and 62% completion percentage, which is Jimmy. I mean, it's nothing like he's better in games than he is in practice. Uh, he's a, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, but you wouldn't like pay money to watch him work out. I would pay money to watch Trey Lance work out. And I think just the, the juxtaposition doesn't do him any favors. It just doesn't, you know, he's an eight Trey's a 10. The difference is startling. I knew things had changed and the tide had come in for Jimmy Garoppolo when you started calling him James. I heard you calling him James the other day, and I was like, okay, is he on that <laughs> basis with Jimmy Garoppolo, or is it like uh, uh, a situation where he's gone? It's like that that ex-lover. It's like, all right, you're James now. You're at arm's length because we see the end. That's right. There's something so familiar and uh, friendly about Jimmy, but I feel like the Jimmy era of his career is over, man. He's gotten replaced. He's going to have to go somewhere else, and I think he needs like a little grizzled edge. He should go by Jim or James or something. I don't know. You notice that he cut his hair real short because it's so gray. I'm sure they're like, dude, you look 35. You no, I was he does have a lot of gray. I noticed in the commercial little thing or whatever, and I'm like, dang, that's a lot of gray in his hair. Yep. I got the same thing going on too, but uh, and it might have been a pandemic <laughs> yeah. thing. Maybe that was the same for Jimmy. This offseason was probably rough on him, right? But you're not 28 years old. <laughs> he's yeah, he's young. He should true. anyway. That's very true. All right, we, we got he, get... he needs a fresh start. I think he'd really benefit from it. I hope when the Niners do give the job to Trey Lance that they trade Jimmy and don't keep him as a backup. Honestly, I think that'd be awkward. Was more the... awkward than now. Grant, was the plan to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots and sign a stopgap in Andy Dalton and trade up for the quarterback? Was that the original plan? Because the Andy Dalton thing doesn't make any sense unless that was the play. I don't know. I feel like Kyle Shanahan would love to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, but the rest of the organization is like, you better be careful. You better be sure. So maybe, maybe that's why Jimmy's still here. I don't know. I just don't think you need a $26 million backup, a $26 million bridge. I understand holding on to him so you can trade him. They probably feel like they could have traded him for a first rounder last year, and his his value is tanked because of the pandemic and the thing going, the cap going down. And they feel like, should we just trade him for a fifth and be over with it? No, let's see what we can get. Okay, fair enough. And if a, a team, if a team is thirsty enough or desperate yeah. enough, they they can give up something more than what we expect them to get. Right? I mean, right. you know, everybody brings up the the Teddy Bridgewater, uh, uh, Sam Bradford situation. And, you know, Sam Bradford at that time, he was nowhere near worth a first round pick. But when your starting quarterback goes down and you have to make a move, so all right, you want our guy, you know, okay, you're going to have to give up something good. And I think that was at the time where Wentz 
Wentz was solid, but he wasn't like earth shattering or anything like that. But if right. you're going to give us a first round pick, yeah, you can have this quarterback. Yeah, I think that's why the Colts are intriguing. I mean, they're desperate. Like they have to win this year. They can't just throw Jacob Eason out there and go four and 13. They need to win. And I don't know how they're going to do that with the quarterbacks they have in their roster if Wentz misses a lot of time. So maybe they're trying to figure out how much time he's going to miss. But if it's a lot, they might have to trade for Jimmy. Now, I think the Niners would probably have to pick up most of his salary, but they could look at it as paying for a draft pick. I think it might it might work out, but it's probably a few weeks away from happening. And Peacock just mentioned paying for uh, a draft pick with the gotcha. uh, Browns and the Texans, right? There you go. Right, yeah. It, it'd be sort of a reverse version of that, but... Um, yeah. I mean, it makes some sense. And if the 49ers were obviously willing to eat some money with this quarterback situation and Trey Lance is ready, you're not going to pay your backup quarterback $26 million. Does Jimmy say take a hike if you ask him for a pay cut? Because that's obviously going to be the next thing that happens. Um, and so, I mean, they, there has to be a team that needs him. It's kind of too late. That's why I, if that's why they, they had to believe they were all in with keeping Jimmy Garoppolo all year long because – it's hard to move that much salary at this point in the season. And most good teams that will be desperate enough to need a quarterback don't have that much cap space either. So we'll see. Maybe a team, maybe another team goes down and then it's a, you know, it's a battle for, you know, get bad news on Carson Wentz maybe, but he'll be back halfway through the season. It's almost the worst case scenario for the Colts because it'd be better if they knew he was gone all year, then they could do something. Now they, I feel like they'll talk themselves into being like, oh, Jacob Eason for four weeks and we'll bring Wentz back. And Wentz might not even be that good. Possible, possible. I think it's fair to assume. Go ahead. I think it's fair to assume that the Niners didn't think Lance would be particularly ready for a lot of reasons, and that they're being like blown away, and they may need to uh, reevaluate. So, and you clearly think they need to reevaluate that Lance is ready. He's here. Like it's over. He's here. He's past all these hurdles. I would ask you this because we've seen the videos, and I mean, can there be a quarterback competition or even uh, at any other positions competitions before the pads go on? They're still doing installs, or they were still doing installs through all the early ramp up practices. Now they've had a couple of padded practices. Isn't it too soon to 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 call it a competition when they're still installing stuff and they hadn't put pads on yet? Yeah, totally way too soon. And he hasn't won the job yet. I, all I can say is there's a reason that everyone that's seen him for a few days is like, yeah, he's going to win this. Like, yeah, he's going to start week one. It's so obvious. You don't have to be a football expert. Um, you can just watch him. Anyone could go and watch it for a couple of days. You hear the players talk about it. Like, yeah, kid special, best arm I've ever seen. No one talks that way about Jimmy Garoppolo. So the talent is undeniable. If he stacks days upon days and is consistent, that's just the way sports He's gonna works. He's going to start, and he should. He's, he's winning over the entire team. He's so freaking talented. He's way better than I realized. He's a hell of a runner. He's going to be – look, look. let's say he starts week one. He could rush for 800 yards this year. He could rush for 1,000 yards this year. That addition of the offense right there makes him probably a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But he also has the big arm. He also has a quick release, really good mechanics that you don't always see on mobile quarterbacks. I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid – seems like he has the offense down pretty quickly already. I think it's the right plan not to push him too quickly and, and just right. throw him into the starting lineup. But at the same time, I'm seeing stuff at practice where, and it's beautiful, and it's like this, you know, it, we, me and Croc talk about it all the time for the socials, this, a slow motion football like show me the route show me like the pass rush or something because i can't tell what's going on you see a ball land in trent Sherfield's hands and the closest guy to him is wearing number 53 no safety 
what is going on? Let's see him play against the first team because I think that's the next hurdle. He needs a step up in competition, clearly. He's handled the, the second team defense, but James Burgess isn't going to do it. Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions are going at 54. He's not throwing at 53 like Trey Lance is. So uh, we, need a, we need a defense where the safety is at least on the field somewhere uh, that well, you know, you're you not going against play. undrafted linebackers and stuff like that. So a, a step up in competition, I think, would help us really realize where Trey Lance is. And it's smart not to throw him in the fire and have him failed to start but now that he's passed that test it's it's time to move on yeah well eric you know in week two of training camp they're going to start doing some scout team stuff where the first team offense will face right. the second team defense and vice versa so he'll get those looks coming up well my, my thing is this right and we're looking at this like just the bigger picture of this whole thing if you don't say you don't start you don't start trey lance and you yeah. go with jimmy garoppolo next offseason you're not going to 100 know what you have in trey lance Right. It, it, like if you want him to hit the ground running next year, this year, if Trey Lance starts this year, sure, he's going to have his ups. And he's going to have his downs. He's going to have some moments where he looks sweet. He's going to have some moments where it's like, oh, man, that was a rookie mistake. But at the very least, he gets to learn from those rookie mistakes heading into next year. Right. And then next year, you can probably put all your chips in the basket and say, all right, we're, we're really gunning for it. If you start Garoppolo for this entire year and you are getting rid of him, like he's gone yeah. after this year. Now, next year, Trey Lance. All those lumps that you would have liked him to take as a rookie, he has to take as a second-year pro. Plus, he and really I hasn't think, played since 2019. Right. And right. at the same time, if he's not getting any work with the ones, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's one play away from being hurt. And now it's like, okay, Trey, we didn't really prepare you to be the starter, but yeah. you got to be the starter anyway. And, I mean, hey, but I will say, Nate Sudfeld, he's completing 76% of his passes in practice, isn't he? And I think Josh Rosen's at, like, 39. What's going on with your boy from UCLA right now? He's Dude. He just seems Josh uninterested. Josh dejected. Man. He's his, done, his right? His body language is – it's really interesting to see the difference between him and Sudfeld. Like, Sudfeld is dying to be a backup quarterback. I don't know if you know these type, Eric. Like, some people want to be backup quarterbacks, and they take the job really seriously. A guy like Josh Rosen I still think is in the part of his life where he's like, I don't want to be a backup, man. I want to compete for playing time somewhere. He knows he's not going <laughs> to get it about this. We talked about it. this, right? Yeah. Subfield yeah. is a guy that yeah. is going to embrace that role. And it's like, dude, if you guys want me to back up Trey Lance for the next 10 years, sure. Love that. <laughs> From Modesto, it's my life dream to do this job. Whereas Rosen's still thinking, man, man, you drafted. It's like, man, I was in Arizona. They draft Kyler Murray. I go to Miami. They draft two. I go to San Francisco. They draft Trey Lance. I Can I please get a shot one time? I could see him thinking that, but uh, I guess he really hasn't earned it yet. But yeah, that's what he looks like. He looks like a guy who's like, where'd you say he was from? He's from LA. He's from, okay. from LA. Yeah, he's from LA. We got to talk trenches. The pads are on. So now we can start drawing some conclusions there, I think, and, and seeing the big man hit each other a little mm -hmm. bit, some of the injured players, how they look recovering, and uh, maybe some overall thoughts from Grant Cohen to finish off this episode of Lockdown 49ers. All right, Grant, pads are on for at least a couple practices now, and you've seen the biggins get after it a little bit more. Maybe some pancakes divvied out by Alex Mack to Javon Kinlaw. Um, what other battles have you seen? What have you seen up front specifically with the offensive line with the, the rookie in Aaron Banks, the new addition in Alex Mack, Mike McGlinchey's new bigger body? They drafted Aaron Banks with the second round pick, but he hasn't played with the starters yet. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start this year. Alex Mack is a year younger than Joe Staley so it's fair to wonder what he has left but what he can do for the offensive line just you know um cerebrally is going to have a big effect uh when they lost Weston Richburg that offensive line really fell apart I mean yeah Mike McGlinchey got had some you know moments where he was physically dominated but they also had moments where they were 
not on the same page. Their blocking assignments were messed up. They couldn't pick up blitzes, stunts, games, you know, fa fairly basic things. And I think Alex Mack is going to have them really dialed in with all that stuff. Uh, he's going to allow them to um, have pretty sophisticated run blocking schemes. And as long as he can stay healthy, uh, I think he'll be a really, really crucial addition for this. It's the most important addition of their offense, I think, in terms of veterans this offseason. So that's what I've seen from him. Mike McGlinchey, he's about 25 pounds heavier, which is really helpful for him. He's never going to be the kind of guy who plays left tackle for a team, but they knew that about them when they drafted him. They could live with his uh, shortcomings, and they're obvious. He's just not that fluid in pass protection, but he's a lot bigger and stronger than he was last year, so that's good. This offensive line should be better, although they still haven't figured out right guard. They had Colton McKivitz there the other day, and that's not the answer, so we'll see. Aaron Banks not taking that job over very quickly is maybe a bad sign, right? Like I haven't heard anything about Aaron Banks looking like uh, a top 50 draft pick. I would imagine the 49ers were hoping that Daniel Brunskill could be the super sub and Aaron Banks would take that position, but it doesn't seem like that's happening at all. And uh, follow up with that is McGlinchey. It, it, does he look different when, when the pads came on? Like uh, size wise, he looks different, but does his play look different? Hmm. Yeah. Well, he's not getting like last year was tough because there would be one or two plays a game where he'd get knocked on his back. That was the problem. It was so drastic mm -hmm. this year. I mean, he'll get beat around the edge by D Ford, but honestly, like D Ford should win that matchup all day. So I, it's hard to, to knock him. We know who Mike McGlinchey is. He's not all of a sudden going to turn into Trent Williams. He's an old school right tackle who fits the offense. Fair enough. I wouldn't have taken that with the ninth pick in the draft, but they did, and that's not. I would his have fault. taken Mika Fitzpatrick. But... Yeah, exactly. Like you don't do, take a right tackle with the right, with the ninth pick, but that's not his fault. Um, the thing with Banks, I guess I expected him to come in looking like Mikey Potty, like a total beast, and he looks like a rookie. Uh, you know, most of the time rookies aren't going to manhandle dudes like Contavia Street or dudes who've been lifting in an NFL training program for four or five years. They're just not. Um, maybe first round picks will, but. I think he's probably on track. It's been two padded practices. I'm not writing off Aaron Banks yet. Croc, I know you were very interested in the defensive line, particularly hmm. uh, Kinlaw and Kinlaw. some of the reports from the 49ers' first-round pick from last year. So Kinlaw, I mean, he, he is a guy that we were expecting that big jump, right? Like, that's what we want to see. He's a guy that showed some flashes. I thought there were, like, moments his rookie year where it was like, oh, there it is. Like you see a freaky play where he looks cat quick, makes the tackle on the backfield. Obviously, that, that wasn't something that was extremely consistent. And I think a lot of us, we saw him working out. His body changed. It's like, okay, this is the year that Ken Law takes that big step. What have you seen from him so far? It's the strangest thing. I mean, he definitely looks fantastic. He looks like he's in great shape. He looked terrific in OTAs in the 11-on-11 drills. They didn't do one-on-one -on -one pass rush drills in. And that's where he really struggled last year. I, I watched him go against Lakin Tomlinson and lose almost every time. And I know Lakin Tomlinson is solid. He's a solid guard, but, you know, I would, I, Buckner beats him in his sleep. Let's just put it that way. You know, it's a difference. <laughs> so I was thinking I'd like to see Kinlaw round two, year two. What, like, what you got? Like, you got a counter? Do you got something? And he still hasn't made it into that drill. He got injured sometime between OTAs and now he, he had a knee scope for it for a, a knee that was flagged at the um at the combine knee scoped the offseason in january re-injured it in june at some time which is not good and then they've been slowly working them back in like bosa and so he'll be there doing you know warming up with the positional group and working on his pass rush moves and then when it's time for one-on-ones they'll won't let him do it but then last week they gave him some reps in 11 on 11s it looked like he was 
trending in the right direction. And then yesterday I'm filming the defensive lineman go through the pass rush drills and he just takes himself to the side and squats to the side and for 10 minutes and just basically removes himself from practice, which is something I've never seen in the NFL. Maybe it happens in high school and college. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it happens in the NFL, but these are all very pro <laughs> professionals making millions of dollars. I just, maybe he was hurt. I just, I don't understand what's happening with Javon Kinlaw because he goes on Instagram and says, I'm not injured. Okay, well, we got to see something then. You're very important. Yeah, if you're not injured, why aren't you, you know, going full go with everything that you're doing? Thank you. Doesn't make sense. And coaches always have an answer for when a player leaves the field. Like that, it's not an accident when a player is on or off the field in the NFL. And and D'Amico Ryan's came to the podium. Uh, he was asked, you know, we saw Javon Kinlaw take himself out, stand on the sideline. Do you know what the issue is there? And he said, I honestly don't know. Uh, if if it was an injury, he could have said, yeah, you know, we were just being smart. We took him out. That was on us. Honestly, don't know. It almost sounded like he was saying, we're not going to talk about that. You know, that, that's a, a, a lesson for D'Amico Ryans. He, he's got to have the coach speak hat on there and just say, oh, he's working through something. Working through. Certainly was. <laughs> you know, one guy that we haven't heard a lot about on the defensive line, and that's Eric Armstead. I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, I don't know if he's been steady or not good enough. And we talked about his role, uh, Peacock and I, and how the 49ers defense is changing. And we couldn't really understand, like, why is he a, a defensive end? And then I found out mm -hmm. listening to a PFF podcast that – Teams that are going to cover four and 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 using that in early rundowns, they want that big end there to help against mm -hmm. the run because they have less guys in the box. So it started to make sense a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it started to make sense. So now I'm, you know, looking in the situation. And if Kinlaw isn't going to be, say he's just he's going to be a run stopper. I'm pretty sure Armstead's going to play a little bit more inside. I like D DJ Jones there, but I haven't heard much about Armstead with how he's doing, whether it's on the edge or in the interior. No, he looks good. I want to give him credit. He's in terrific shape. Uh, yesterday, he was, a couple of days ago, he was playing D-end, and he just uh, blew by Mike McGlinchey for a sack. Looked really good. Most of his sacks come from the interior, and to be fair to him, he played most of his snaps on the edge last year where he's a run defender. He's an edge setter. He's not a pass rusher from that position um so if he gets to rush from the interior this year he should have a much better year problem is and you know nick bosa hasn't played 11 on 11 yet i'm not sure exactly what his timeline is samson ebicom missed practice yesterday not sure exactly what his injury is so it's all about the the edge depth the interior depth is probably this the strength of the defense there's been great reports I mean, we talked about Kinlaw where, you know, it's what's going on with him, but great reports on Contavious Street, who uh, it's smart that they have him as an interior guy. He was never a, a pure defensive end anyway. Um, Mo Hurst over from the Raiders. While Solomon Thomas struggling, they tried him at three technique with the Raiders. Uh, he's already back to being a rotational guy with the Raiders. I don't know what they were thinking. Get rid of Mo Hurst, bringing in Solomon Thomas. That didn't make any sense at all to me. Kerr, great reports there. Like, the depth is fantastic with the 49ers' defensive tackles. I mean, is it a, a case where Kinlaw might not even be the starter right now? I mean, he's the starter because of draft pedigree, but he really hasn't earned it. Earned it. Now, he may be the most talented of all of them, but he needs to be on the field and prove it because you didn't even mention DJ Jones, who's a hell of a player. Kevin Givens, who could start for a lot of teams, he's a hell of a player. Uh, we already mentioned Eric Armstead, Contavious Street, Zach Kerr. They're deep and retrospect. Even trading DeForest Buckner, they didn't need a defensive tackle with that pick. They could have taken Tristan Wirfs and been too deep at both spots. But they didn't know that at the time. They didn't know what Contavious Street was going to become and Kevin Givens and 
but really they're they're so so deep. It's 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 not a bad thing for them that Kinlaw's out. It's a bad thing for Kinlaw that Kinlaw's out. He needs to come back because guys like Contavious Street are taking his job. Yeah, the Tristan Wirfs thing is crazy too because I remember the next day learning about Joe Staley's retirement, and they already knew that. That was so ballsy for the 49ers to sit there and let Tristan Wirfs go and and go with a defensive tackle, knowing that they hadn't traded for and they might have given the the Vikings the extra pick that they needed to go trade for Trent Williams. But Trent, Trent Williams didn't want to do a deal. The Vikings weren't cool with that. The 49ers were cool with trading for him and not having a deal in place. But um, that was a ballsy move by the 49ers. Now that they got Trent Williams, you know, it looks good and looks like it worked out. But um, I was blown away by that draft when I learned that they knew Staley was retiring and didn't draft Tristan Wirfs there. Yeah, I think this... I. A lot of people think Javon Kinlaw can be really special, and maybe he can. I just hope that he gives himself the chance. I don't know what he's going through right now. Maybe it's just his knee. Maybe it's something else. But you can't miss all the training camp. You need this for your development, and I hope you get out there soon because we're all rooting for you. He's one of the more entertaining uh, interviews on the team. He's he's great. He's got this like intensity, but he's not really trying to scare you, and he knows that you're scared of him, and he kind of laughs about it. I think he's really cool. <laughs> I just hope he can stick around, man. Real quick, a couple more things while we got you here, Grant. Um, wide receiver. Who is the best free agent acquisition for the 49ers this year, and why is it Trent Sherfield? Who is this guy? I love the undrafted free agent who uh, just outworks everyone and, and makes a career out of himself, Eric Crocker, in the NFL. Those people are really, really driven and mature and professional, and I always respect how they do it because it's like the odds were – you know, ridiculous. So this guy, you can like one thing that that sticks out. Everyone wears shorts and shells and tries to look cool. You know, he wears the football pants every day. He's like, I'm not messing around. I'm going to work <laughs> harder than you. And he's in great shape. And he's just catching like he's very fast and he runs a very good curl route and uh, he stays on the outside. And Trey Lance can fire the ball across the field and he's always open. So and he's a big dude too. Yeah, that's good size. Well, the, the 49ers don't have any guys that are above six feet, over 200 pounds, and run four fours. Like, they, Sherfield might be the only one. He's taking Richie James' spot in the death chart. No question about it. Uh, right now, it looks like the top three guys are Ayuk, Debo, and Sanu. Looks like the fourth guy is Sherfield. And after that, I mean, they're waiting for Jalen Hurd. I actually think it's Kevin White. No one ever talks about Kevin White, but he's kind of on, like, the Jason Verrett track of, like, Maybe one day he can be healthy for two years in a row and play. I think he looks decent. Um, I'd like to see him make the team, Kevin White. I remember just seeing some clips from Kevin White last year. Uh, it was because they signed him at the way at the end of camp, right? And yeah. he and I don't know, I don't know what the they were just individual drills, but his like you're like, oh, that guy looks different. He's big yeah. and fast, and he, his routes look way better than Dante Pettis's, who was still on the team at that time. And like just from the few clips I saw of him, I was like, Kevin White still got something there. But he was healthy, and they needed bodies at wide receiver and still didn't use him last year. So that's when I thought, well, Kevin White's not going to be – if he couldn't break through last year, then he's never going to break through. But who knows? Maybe he is, and, and maybe Richie James getting his job taken away, um, maybe Jalen Hurd not making it. That does open the door because there's still some space there for a wide receiver or two if they're going to carry six on the roster, even with Trent Sherfield. Has, has Sherfield been returning kicks? What do we know about the kick return stuff? Because that's where Richie James is going to make it at this point if he's going to make it at all. If Richie James is not on the team, who's returning kicks and punts? I think Sherfield's more of like a punt cover guy, a gunner. Right. I think the people returning punts, is it could be Ayuk if he if he earns it. 
Otherwise, it, it, it'll be other guys doing it. Are R- River Craycraft, Travis Benjamin, Richie James. I'm not sure any of those three will make the team, though. Hmm. So uh, it could be Richie James, but it doesn't seem like they're super enthusiastic. About it. I mean, they basically took that role away from him last year and had River Craycraft just do fair catches when no one was around him. That's how they ended the season. Oh, so I I think it's Ayuk's if he can if he can take the job. Uh, River Craycraft, I can see it coming. He's going to be like the Dante Johnson of the offense, right? Yeah, you, I mean, you like him, but you'd rather not have him on the field. He's just always there, and you're like, oh, they brought back River Craycraft. He's not going to make the team, is he? It's like, oh, yeah, he's actually yep, going to make the team is. again. Yeah. All right, I got to take you to task. The last thing I got here, Croc, I don't know if you have anything else after this, but um, I got to go back to your initial take on Trey Lance where uh, I don't know what the quote was, but I remember you saw him the first time when we're way back in, in the spring, you were scouting quarterbacks and you said, yeah, he looks like a good running back. Like you were anti Trey Lance at the, at the beginning. You are the most pro Trey Lance. I think guy now from what you've seen in training camp. And so first of all, was that take just premature? You hadn't seen enough of him, or what grew yeah. on you about Trey Lance from his hold, North hold Dakota on. state? And he, his... he had another take. He had another take that was floating around today. I saw on the oh, Twitterverse oh. on Trey Lance where he said Trey Lance is Tim Tebow but faster. Yeah, I had some good ones. I was coming out. I was coming out guns blazing. That I probably is... shouldn't do that next time. I probably should wait. No. So here's what happened. There's not a lot of film of Trey Lance. And when I first started watching him, there'd be games where he'd throw like 10 passes. It's like, what is going on? This is this guy's going to go top three. So I just kind of wrote him off. Like, he just doesn't have enough throws. He doesn't. But then, like, you hear that his pro day was, was legendary. And then you hear that, you know, really, that was two years ago. He's 20 now, and he's way bigger, and he's off the charts in every way. And every time you talk to a coach who'd been around, they'd be like, look, just forget the fact that he's the most physically gifted quarterback I've ever worked with. He's a genius. He's a football genius. And he loves working. And he loves working on mechanics and studying coverages. Every All the little intangible things people will talk about is like, well, okay, well, this sounds like a guy who probably not going to fail. Uh, and he has a massive chip on his shoulder because he had to go to North Dakota State in the first place when he probably should have been tearing up the Big Ten. Uh, just the more you dug in the more you liked him and it was easy to kind of write him off. I mean, when you listen to people write him off deep in the process, even Chris Sims hated him, ranked him below Kellen Mott. They're like, he's just inexperienced. That's all you'd say. It's like, I don't really want to watch the tape. It's hard tape to find. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of it. You really had to dig beyond the tape. Um, And uh, the Niners did. Thank goodness I did. I got around to it, like to him, like a month before the draft. So I can laugh at it now. Yeah. And everybody, every single person you talk to, is blown away and i'm like oh. how special is this guy like is he a motivational speaker is he like tony robbins <laughs> when i talk to him like i can't wait to talk to this guy because everybody comes away and just loves trey lance and that there's just like he's the perfect dude because he, he works his butt off and he's smart and uh he's a great teammate sure. and physically he has everything you could want in a quarterback and it's pretty amazing to see some of these throws he's making on the outside seeing these sideline throws and down the field throws and um you know i think he's got to be able to work with timing in the offense too because kyle shanahan's not going to put up with it if he's floating away and and getting sacked or anything like that so we'll see and that's why the preseason is going to be so important it's going to be so fun to watch live bullets flying and a pass rush guys who can actually hit him and windows might be a little bit smaller against uh the the teams he's going up against in those joint practices so a big couple of weeks here coming up for trey lance and so i can't wait to watch it you can't say anything aside from that trey lance has been a massive 
success so far for the 49ers. They got to feel pretty darn good that they at least chose a good player and he's not going to be some, you know, top three bust. I can't imagine that Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes were any better in their first training camp as rookies. I'm sure they were great. But what this kid is doing right now is special. It's rare. He just turned 21. It's going to be really good. I can't wait for you guys to see it yourselves. I know. I'm, I'm kicking myself. I got a lot going on. I'm actually moving back to the city. We're putting our house up for sale here. So I'll be closer mm. to the team and I'll be able to go in person. I'm kicking myself that I wasn't able to get here for this inaugural training camp for Trey Lance and, and tell my kids about the amazing throws he was making. Croc, do you have anything else with Grant before we go? No, that's it, man. I appreciate you for coming on. The 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 fans, we'll see because we got a lot of responses. The responses were some people were cool and some people were like, "Oh my gosh, you're bringing on Grant Cohn." I was like, "Man, like when you guys actually hear him on the podcast, like it's a different version of what you think, or maybe some of the tweets or whatever, whatever you think of of Grant Cohn." It's much better than that in person. So I appreciate you for coming on. Man. Yeah, hit Thanks, us up. Tell, tell us what you think about Grant Cohn now at BD Peacock on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. You can find Grant at Grant Cohn. You can tell us all apart because Grant is the one that is not verified of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, maybe sports, one day. Yeah, Dude, I've been seeing everybody get verified, and I'm like, how isn't Grant being verified? I'm seeing guys. Get verified left and right right now. Remember I didn't think about it until today when here. I was DMing with you. I was like, oh, wait, Grant's not even verified. What happened there? Did you lose? Did you have it and then lose your check mark? I've never had it. And I applied a couple of months ago and they denied me. You got to remember, Twitter is over here in Silicon Valley. They might not like me. They just, <laughs> it might be personal. They probably saw the, the Trey Lance Tebow tweet and they're like, no, nah, we can't. That was it. Yeah. Well, fair enough if that's the case. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate you giving us the time, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Croc and I back next week. Hall of Fame game about to get started here Thursday night. Football is here. It's going to stay through February. Back at you Monday right here. Locked on 49ers.